Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. When you love meat, you find a way to take it with you everywhere you go, especially when it comes to getting outdoors. That's why Smithfield has so many high-quality, delicious meats that are perfect for any outdoor adventure. Whether the park you're headed to is a national park or just the one down the street, like Smithfield marinated roasted garlic and cracked black pepper fresh pork tenderloin, expertly seasoned for on-the-go flavor, or prime fresh smoked ham that'll have you building on-the-go sandwiches packed with flavor. Smithfield Extra Meaty Back Ribs bring hand-selected perfection to the backyard, and Smithfield Anytime Favorites will help you take the ham you savor to the places you love. From diced ham that'll turn any picnic into an outdoor feast, to hickory smoked boneless ham steaks that are the perfect cap to any hike. The great outdoors just got greater with Smithfield. For the love of meat. Walk into any gym in America and you'll find a section of kettlebells. This was not the case even 10 years ago. Now, look at what the kettlebells look like. Are they worn down, chalk-stained, and clearly used? Or are they pristine, clean, and up on a shelf because there aren't any heavier than 35 pounds? Chances are it's the latter. What many people in the gym will tell you is that they are used for conditioning workouts and meant to be light to prevent injury. Not many will tell you how effective they are at building strength and muscle, especially when the kettlebells get heavy. Not only that, but you'll also learn what else the kettlebell provides. Freedom. That's the topic with my guest today, Eric Spector. Eric took up kettlebell training out of necessity during the early days of the pandemic, and it completely changed his way of thinking about training. Today we get into his journey to the kettlebell and how it changed his training, the kettlebell community that embraced him, freedom in training, mastery of a skill, his apparel company Touch Grass Co., his IG account Eric Does Kettlebell, his time in the Marines as a linguist, and more. Enjoy this episode of the Nomad Strength Show with Eric Spector. back to the Nomad Strength Show, everybody. I'm joined today by Eric Spector. And uh, if you follow him on Instagram, Eric does kettlebells or uh, Eric is Eric does kettlebells. And uh, I came across the page, I want to say just two or three months ago, so fairly recently. And uh, I'm a pretty big kettlebell nerd myself. So I always like I met like, when I messaged you, I always appreciate when I see like awesome kettlebell content, you know, that's actually utilizing them how I think they should be utilized, you know, <laughs> like Thank not you. just doing, not, not just doing swings and like light, you know, light kettlebell swings and, and yeah. little stuff like heavy bells, but, uh, we'll get into a ton of that, but thanks man for making time. I appreciate you. No, thanks thanks for having me on. I've, I've been reached out, like I said earlier, a couple of times for podcasts before. It's been a great and interesting experience talking to people about my journey. Um, I'm sure we'll get into it more in depth 
now than I have in previous conversations. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like opened up this huge community of kettlebell nerds, people who've like never been into fitness at all, mm. but like they want to, they're like intimidated by the gym and they know that they could just buy a kettlebell and have it at home. Totally. Um, yeah, the past two years have been like absolutely wild for me ever since I started my account. Well, let's start there. Like, is that, how, I mean, where were you when you really dove into them? Were you in the, I've trained forever and I just need something new or like, how did you come into using them as, as much as you do? All right. So this is an interesting story. I've always been like generally into fitness since high school. Um, you know, when you're like a teenager, you care a lot about aesthetics. And so I went to my local Gold's gym. I worked out with my older brother for, I don't know, just like every, like here and there, we didn't really know what we were doing, just experimenting. And, but, and so I just kept up with that throughout my, throughout my life. Mm -hmm. I never got like massive bulky or anything like that. I was like in a general like fitness and sports and whatnot. Joined the military and bulked up there for a bit. Um, and then, you know, just part of my general lifestyle. But then pandemic came, right? March, 2020 is like when everything closed. I was living in DC at the time and uh, didn't want to wear a mask at the gym. Mm -hmm. I hate, like, I know that people wear those altitude masks all the time to like work out, you know? And I was like, oh, it's just going to be like that. I'm just going to like work out an altitude mask and it'll be fine. And I'll just like have amazing lungs at the end of it. Uh, I was sick of it. I couldn't do it. I was getting, my face was getting hot. I was like, I'm just going to like work out at home, whatever. And so I quit my gym and the gym actually closed too, like okay. a couple months later. Just I was going to say in DC, I imagine that everything probably shut down pretty, yeah. pretty hard and pretty fast. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So like I didn't even have a gym to go to anymore. <laughs> right. And then so I just like I my first thing that I did was I bought a slam ball. It was 25 pounds. It was like the only thing that I could get on the market where I was like, you know, I, I'm not going to buy it. I lived in an apartment. I was like, I'm, I'm not going to buy a squat rack and like <laughs> right. get all into like all these dumbbells. So I was like, maybe a slam ball will do. So I'm just like... I was like in the front of my apartment complex, just like throwing this ball, like <laughs> literally from like one side of the front yard to the next, like slamming it on the ground. People were looking at me like I was a crazy guy. And uh, I tried to order kettlebells like the first two months of doing that, but I mm -hmm. like, they were all sold out. And people oh, yeah. in the in the kettlebell space will remember that. Like I, tr mm -hmm. like any weight above like, I don't know, eight kilograms was like, not available. Yeah. Yeah. And like on top of that, the logistics too, there's like a demand aspect plus the logistics issue. Eventually though, I was able to get my hands on a 35 pound bell. It was from like Walmart or something. Yeah. I think your video cut off. I'm not sure if it's the same Did it just go? both ends, but I'm there like it is. This. Um, I think you're fine. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, the reason why I got into kettlebells in the first place though, um, was because of like three specific accounts that I saw on Instagram. Um, I'll just shout them out. So Colin Daring was the big one. Daring okay. 101. I'm sure a lot of people who are listening know. He's like the big juggler guy. Yeah, The yeah. crazy trainer, Jared Cardona. Yep. And then Twisted Steel Cheat Meal. Um, Gavin something. I don't know his last name. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was really into juggling. That, that was my first like foray into the kettlebell world. Yep. Which is, you know, strange. Like no, normally it's like, oh, I got a crossfit. And That's like, a progression that happens later for most people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it just like looked so fun. I was like, oh, I want to yeah. try juggling kettlebells. And then so I did that for like a good couple of months or so. 
And then I realized I was losing a lot of like muscle mass because I was just using like a, at this point, like a 12 kilogram bell. Yeah. And I was like, I don't like, like I'm looking all thin and what. So I, then I like started to get more serious and like training with bells. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's sort of how I got into it. And then I eventually like a year after that, I started my account just because I wanted to sort of give back, um, to this like awesome community that helped me really like change my life with kettlebells because I, for like the next two two and a half years after that, I never stepped foot into a gym. I work out, worked out at that time exclusively with kettlebells. Yeah. Um, and it sort of changed my whole mentality towards like fitness in general. What was it that like one of those shifts in how you train? Like, I mean, you talked about the juggling thing, but what yeah. was it about the kettlebells that you're like, there's actually something to this? I mean, at first it was like a necessity because like you said, you didn't want to go to a right. gym, but there was something that made you like want to keep doing it that you saw was working. What was that? Oh my God. It was, it was a combination of things. The first, I guess one that's like not related to fitness really is just that it gave me an excuse to go outside and uh, like hang out for two hours. Like my workouts at the gym would be like an hour, you know? Yeah. But now I, I found myself like working out for like two hours because I was outside after work breathing fresh air, seeing the sunset, which I never did pre-pandemic because I would yeah. always like, leave the office after, you know, after the sunset. And it was just like a reconnection that I had with nature. And so it gave me an excuse to do that. So I wanted to stick with kettlebells for that reason. But on top of that, I never really did like compound exercises before. Okay. Um, and the kettlebell sort of requires you to work multiple muscles at once. Yeah. Um, my, I found that I, my, I, I used to have like slight lower back pain every so often. Okay. I'd never, I don't have that anymore. And I'd realized I didn't train my, my lower back muscles at all. People always tell you like when you're working out, like, Oh, don't like bend your back incorrectly. And it's like, <laughs> right. yeah, you shouldn't like, you don't want to harm your, you know, your spine at all, but you still have to work your lower back muscles. Right. And that's part of the uh, posterior chain that is involved with kettlebell workouts and exercises in general. So, um, I felt like more, I guess, like holistically fit sure. all around. Um, and there are like some aspects of bells that I like that, like can't get me to this like level that I would like. Right. Um, but they, for the majority, they're like, I, I heard, do you know who Gregory, I think it's Dizemali. Do you know who that is? That sounds familiar. He's okay. the guy who's, he's like the head coach or the owner of Leap Stark. He has a big YouTube right. page. Yes. That's how yes. I found out about him like during this, you know, initial yeah. kettlebell journey of mine. Um, and he is the first person, I don't know if he, if he can be credited to this phrase, but I heard him say once that kettlebells are the Swiss army knives of the fitness industry. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. And it, that rings so true to me. Yeah. They do everything like pretty well. Um, but if you're looking for like a very specific goal, kettlebell right. is like, probably not the best thing to do. You know, right. like if you're looking to be the strongest man in the world, you need to use barbells. You have you to lift a barbell. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just like the load that you need in order to gain strength in general yeah. is easier to do with barbells than Absolutely. it is with like how, how many cannonballs are you actually going to be storing at home? Or like, you know. <laughs> right. So, um, it is like, and if I, if I could only use one tool for the rest mm -hmm. of my life, you know, with varying weights, obviously I would use yeah. the kettlebell just because it does so much. Um, but I will say like, it is 
it's not the simplest tool to use. It is like very nuanced and you have to learn the yeah. technique. And so there is like this huge learning curve um, that is unique to the belt, the kettlebell other than like the barbell and dumbbells. So when you were, when you were learning all of this stuff, you mentioned those three accounts that were kind of like foundational for you when you began, is that where you learned a lot of the technique and stuff or were you like actually following any other courses or taking any classes or anything like that to learn? Yeah. Those guys that I listed off, they were inspiration. Yeah. But I learned a lot from YouTube. Yeah. And I learned from, you know, the Leapstar channel that I, that yep. I mentioned, yep. and then also Mark Wildman, who is a great influence for me. Um, and I always want to give credit to like all these guys yeah. that have really helped me out at the beginning. Um, when you're new, you don't really know what's good form versus bad form. Like if right. you, there are a lot, so many channels on YouTube or Instagram, whatever it may be, of people using kettlebells. When you're new, you don't know if they're doing it properly. Mm-hmm. And now, after you know years of experience, I just be like, all right, that guy has been using kettlebells for. You can tell you know, who knows I what you're doing. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, so, for in terms of like learning, I'm all I consider myself self-taught. Sure. But I did utilize and leverage information yeah. from the web, but I never had like a you know, personal trainer. Well, it's funny that you, it's funny that you say that in terms of knowing when you see somebody move, like, okay, that guy has definitely like learned yeah. from someone or knows what they're doing. Cause I was, when I'm, when I'm going back and looking through your page initially, just the way I could see you snap the bell on a clean or like mm-hmm. throw some overhead. I'm like, okay, he's, he, he knows how to actually move this thing. Cause you know, you can Thanks. tell when yeah. people, especially with, especially with kettlebells, like it's very easy to like, especially during like a swing into a clean or something like that, where it gets way out away from you and then they kind of clunk back on themselves. You know, there's no Christmas too. So like when I see the, when I see people that move well, I'm like, okay, they actually are like kettlebell training. They're not just like, they, this is the only thing left in the gym and they need to do something with it kind of a thing, you know? Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. That means a lot. Um, I think a lot of my, I guess, fluidity just mm-hmm. comes from reps on reps. Like I, yeah. Something about my training that I will say I think is unique is that I I, I clean the bell a lot um, yes. in between reps. A lot of people, if they are not in the sports side of things, if they're like more hard style, um, they'll you know clean it to like get in that rack position and then they'll right. like you know do presses. There's a cat in the background. They'll <laughs> just do like uh, you know presses. They won't necessarily do a clean and press each time, clean and press, you know, they'll right. just be like clean, press, press, press. It's more of like a sport thing that I do, which is like, I, I really enjoy the cleaning and, yeah. um, and, uh, I, I guess it's really only cleaning before, um, a lot of my, a lot of my like compound movements, but, yeah. um, and the reason for that is just because I knew like, oh, if I practice something, um, repetitively, mm-hmm for so long, I'll eventually, you know, master it. Um, and now it's just like habitual. I enjoy doing that, but I I am, I will say moving slightly away from that. Um, Mm. and that's because, uh, you're, you know, you're not tearing the muscle fibers as much if you're cleaning in between, let's say reps of squats, right? Sure. Like if you clean it once and then just squat multiple times, you're going to get more of a leg workout than if you clean squat, and then like that extra time in between the next squat is your cleaning. Um, and so I'm like experimenting with sort of different methods of training, but, um, but yeah, in terms of the is fluidity, that, I, I appreciate yeah. that. Like that's yeah. sort of what I want. That was like what I set out to do is like master the kettlebell because it was 
a very intimidating piece of hardware before I started out. I was afraid to snatch. Like mm. that was the most difficult thing for me to try to get over was like was snatching it because, a ball. Was it because of the technique or what was, what was that? Yeah, the technique. Well, again, I was like scared of hurting my lower back. Like I did, uh, yeah. I thought that if I snatched incorrectly, like I made one small error, yeah. then I would slip a disc and that would be it, you know? And like, I mean, it's an explosive movement. So I mean, yeah. I can see how that would you be. Could, yeah, yeah, you could injure yourself. So it is, I will say like if some, you know, whoever's listening to this, do get, you know, a personal trainer and like get good direction. Um, but, uh, you know, start out light enough, obviously. There is this weird... I know I'm sort of going into other directions and I'll, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll let you, I'll let get back to you. I'm like Good. monologuing right now. Um, there's this weird balance in kettlebells where like, you don't want to hurt yourself. So you have to use a light enough weight, but in order to know that you have good form, you have to reach a threshold of heavy enough weight. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And it's cause you can totally use incorrect form and not hurt yourself with a lightweight, but you don't know that you're doing it correctly because you're not, you're not it's getting that light. feedback. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There's the, uh, when I, when I've, when I was taught how to swing, I was taught by a guy who was trained in strong first. Okay. And, uh, so like the, well, the hard style stuff, you know, like yeah, all yeah. the strong first is Pavel. So you get a lot of those, uh, techniques from that. But he had said when, when I was being taught and I say the same thing when I'm, when I'm teaching new people swings is like we have, and it depends on the body weight of the person. Cause you can't really say like a percentage of body weight every time, but Basically, like if most women, I'm like, we're going to start swinging with a 35 pounder, mm. like, because you just have to feel how the momentum yeah. uses that. Like you have to know how to drive your hips through to actually yeah. move it. Cause it's not like a front delt raise, you know, which yeah. is what a lot of people want to, will end up doing if it's too light. Maybe it's not always 35, but like it has to be heavy enough where you have to drive your hips through in order to move the yeah. bell. And it's the same with guys. Like it's usually like 40 pounds and above where we start you know, progressing through like the actual technique parts of it, but you have to actually drive hips through on a bell to move it how it needs to be moved. Right. Yeah. I get messages all the time from people asking me how heavy they should start out with. They're like, Oh, I've never touched a kettlebell before, but I want to get started. How heavy should I go? It's like, I don't know anything about you. Like you just, you (laughs) know, like, I don't know if you've, you know, worked out for X amount of years prior. I don't know how strong you are, but I, generally yeah i would say like 16 kilograms for men at least is like a good place to start yeah totally um because they do need it like heavy enough to where it'll they'll get that feedback like you said like it's not a front delt raise it is working the posterior chain um yeah totally agree with that so when you uh when you're actually piecing your training together, how do you do it for yourself? Are you like by the day kind of thing or do you map things out for a while in advance and say, this is like a training block I'm going to hit for a while and these are the things I'm going to focus on? How does your kind of protocol go through there? Yeah, so I split my workouts into three sort of sections. I do uh, one day I'll do lower body and then the next I'll do upper and then full body. And then I just sort of rotate through that Um mm-hmm. And just because you need to hold the kettlebell with your arms, um, as opposed to like a barbell where you can rest on your back, um, many of the workouts do tend to be full body. Right. Um, but that is like my philosophy is I, I don't do like, I don't split it up so much into like back day, chest day. You know, I'm not working specific muscle groups. Um, so I try to hit both twice a week, lower, upper than full body. So you're doing the, that three day split twice. Yeah. You're training six days then. 
Yeah, I but I will say I don't have like a specific, you know, I, I'm not that guy that has a notebook and I walk around sure. and I like know exactly, you know, I need to do this amount of reps for this, you know, exercise. Mm-hmm. I would train, you know, five to seven days a week. I do feel weird when I don't work out like yeah. during a day, you know, yeah. so like if I have a rest day, I'm like, oh, I would kind of want to work out, you know, I need to do something. It's yeah. It's funny that you like you have that approach of <laughs> it's like you, you mentioned I, like, I don't carry a notebook. I don't have like this rigid thing. And yeah. there's a lot of the kettlebell world that kind of trains that way. You know, it's yeah. not I've noticed like in the gym, like if you're powerlifting or if you're doing other things with barbells, like, you know, you've got it broken down percentages and the volume is all very calculated. But like I know a, a, a buddy of mine who's out in Florida. His name is Akira. I'll send you his page. Uh, I think you'll really enjoy. Oh, Quiet Conqueror, yeah. Yes, he's yeah, awesome. Okay. Listen, yeah. This this community is That's like. That's what so, I mean, man. <laughs> it's not. I, I was gonna say it's so incestuous, but I've never actually <laughs> talked to him. But he was also an inspiration when I started out. Actually. Dude, he's awesome. But he trains that same way. Like we've talked about it, and he and he'll go like, I'll just go out and like I have a yeah. couple things I want to practice skill wise. Like if I'm working on presses or you know yeah. he does like bent presses and stuff. So he's like, if I'm trying to work on something specific, I'll spend 15 to 20 minutes doing that. And he's like, and then I'll just start doing reps of stuff until I feel like I've done enough for the day. And he's like, sometimes it's like an hour and 90 minutes. He's like, sometimes I don't, when I'm not working, I'll be out there for like three and a half hours. Like kind of like what you said, like he's out there training on the beach in Miami. And so he's like, I'm just right. ended up being outside for four hours today training. And it was awesome. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that comes with experience too, which is like, if you, uh, once, once you know your body well enough, then you can pretty much, you don't need necessarily a plan. If you can feel like, Oh, I've strained you know, unless you're competing, if like if you're doing bodybuilding and like you have to get these exact numbers hit, you know, yeah. or powerlifting. Um, but you know, for most people, they want to stay fit. They want to work out for 30 minutes to an hour. You know, if they're more crazy than like yeah, two or three hours. Um, and they don't, you don't necessarily need like all of these details. And on top of that, the kettlebell itself is sort of this like it's like an allegory for like freedom, right? You don't like you can just pick it up. I was telling someone the other day, like you can just pick up a kettlebell next to your desk and like just literally like hold it, right? And that, <laughs> like, if you hold it for ten minutes, like you're gonna get some sort of workout in. Yeah, it's it's just a ball of metal with a handle, right? And at the end of the day, that provides so much freedom for you, mm. and you don't have to be, you know, stuck in this like, you know, this cold gym, working alongside x you know amount of people like right. doing these types of you know specific movements it really does allow for fluidity and freedom um and on you can see that too with the different types of workouts within the kettlebell yeah. world in the kettlebell space like there's the sports style hard style mm-hmm. got jugglers and then you got uh, more like grinding bodybuilding stuff i would say i think akira is kind of more like that yeah um I, like i said i haven't really spoken to him so i don't know his whole philosophy on it but i know he uses kettlebells in a more i don't know i don't want to say bodybuilding because he, he, he does have a good physique but he doesn't yeah. do it i don't think for that intention he's a super strong guy he's because, super strong yeah but he mm-hmm. but he trains in a more grinding style yes yeah yep um, for sure so. It's kind of cool to see how, because it, it, like you said, freedom, but it also allows for a lot of creativity with training, mm-hmm. especially if you know how to move well and yeah. like, you know, because all of it, like you, like we said before, there's, there's ri- the inherent risk involved, but that's the case in any sort of training with weights. 
right? So like, if you know what you're doing, it really does allow for you to be creative with training and, yeah. and have that be something that makes it fun, which makes you want to keep doing it. You know, like that's the biggest deterrent of people training is like, they just get bored or they just don't enjoy it, what they're doing. And yeah. like, if you like it, you're going to keep doing it, you know? Yeah, no, true. Yeah. And, uh, you will like it after the, 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 the more skilled you become at something, the more you're going to like it. Right. Yeah. But, um, yeah, the, there's like this weird inverse relationship between how complicated your fitness tool is mm. and how much freedom you have with said tool. Right. So like a kettlebell is the, like one of the most basic tools and you have so much freedom to work with barbells up there as well, you know, kind of a dumbbell, but not, not, not really. But then you go all the way to like the other end and you're like working out with like a leg press machine. It's like, you can really only do like one thing with that. Like exactly. the more complicated the machinery, the more inhibited you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's sort of why I like the simplicity of the kettlebell too. I would say the kettlebell is like maybe like the fourth most simple tool. The first is like a big, you know, just a random rock that you find. Right. <laughs> right. And then next is probably like a sandbag. Yeah. And then like maybe like an Atlas stone because it is like the, a perfect sphere. And right. then you get to the kettlebell and just like yeah. literally a ball with a handle. And then, yeah, and that's sort of how I think of like all of these trading modalities is like their complexity level. When you mentioned you've started to like in- reintroduce some of those other ones lately, yeah. right? So what is that? What have you been doing uh, intentionally with that? So with that, um, I recently joined a gym in my area and it's initially it was because they are the only gym that has a huge selection of kettlebells Mm. because I've reached this point in my training where the bells that I own are just too light yeah, and I can't rack up a huge collection where I am. I just don't have the space. Sure. Um, and so I joined this gym, they have, you know, like the heaviest is like 150 pounds. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm doing stuff there, but then they also have, um, you know, squat, like really nice squat racks. I've been doing a lot of squats recently for the past couple of months. Um, and that's simply just because of the heavy load, right? Because you, I can't achieve that with my kettlebells. I can of course do more volume and, you know, kill my legs that way, but I really do want to become stronger in general. And I think, you know, strength comes from the base and from the legs. So, um, so barbells is, is one. Another thing I've noticed that it, it is more difficult to grow your chest with kettlebells in general. Mm. So I've been doing, I really only use dumbbells for chest exercises. Sure. Like I just go on the, go on the bench and do some chest presses. That's about it. Um, but mostly aside from kettlebells, which I like to say is like 80% now of my yeah. training, 15% is, uh, barbells and then 5% dumbbells. Nice. I was going to ask you too about the, um, about that gym when I saw you post that mm, picture yeah. the other day that you, that you had just hopped in there. Wait, uh, don't ask me where it is because I don't want to, I'm not, not going to ask, it. Okay. <laughs> but it does look, but it, I was going to ask, cause it looks like it's more conducive to that type of training anyway. Cause I mean, like yeah. you look at the bells, like there's, there's some really nice fancy type gyms that have a lot of kettlebells, but like the ones that you like, they're they're all on the ground they all look like they've been used and i'm it's like when i'm looking at that picture yeah. like okay that's an actual person or a place that is gonna be good for kettlebell people you know yeah. like it's it's not just like hey we have this rack of kettlebells over here on the side like this is actually for people that use kettlebells <laughs> in most gyms too like even the trainers don't know how to use kettlebells yeah, and totally. uh, yeah this guy the owner of the gym um he is a former rkc 
SFG oh, guy. Nice. And so yep. he knows what he's doing. When I walked in though, I found him on, on Google yep. and, uh, you know, I told him when I walked in, I was like, Hey, I want to, I'm like, you know, here mostly for the kettlebells. And I saw you had a huge collection. Like, do you mind if I go check him out? So he showed me, he's like, yeah, actually really only a few people use them. It's like, they mostly just sit here. He, he initially started it, I believe to be a kettlebell gym. Um, but it oh, just sort of transformed to, you know, what the demand was, which sure. is powerlifting. Um, I don't think it's it's bodybuilding. I've got to turn on my camera again. I think it just closed off on me. Um, sorry. No, you're good. <laughs> For the listeners, I'm trying to record a uh, high quality <laughs> video off to the side. Anyway, um, and so he, yeah, it's sort of like transformed into like powerlifting slash bodybuilding. But there are. You know, there's a, like the chalk marks that I'm sure you saw, and yeah, there are some people that are using it, um, but it's in my understanding, it's a minority of people. You probably don't have much much to worry about in terms of people coming in and. Being oh my god, to use it's stuff. like heaven! It's like <laughs> so. I love I love working out around like a very specific amount of people, which is like yeah. max like five or six. Yep. But if there's too many, then you have to like wait for stuff, and it's not much. <laughs> so. It's like it's a weird balance, but every time I've gone to this gym so far, which is, you know, only a handful of times, um, there have been like, yeah, max, like five yeah. or six people and it's great. And I'm, there's <laughs> no, awesome. there's no line for the kettlebells. Beautiful. I'm the only one using the bells most oh, of the right. time. So, um, I want to get into your actual account because when you said you had started it, it was as a way to kind of give back to, you know, the kettlebell community for helping you out. So like, I want to know what was that pro when you started it? Like what was that solely your reason for doing it like what kind of things were you wanting to share through the account and kind of how did that develop into what it is now yeah yeah like yeah again so yeah i wanted to give back and i the soul you know initially i i think i may have deleted a few of at the beginning the few, first few posts but if you scroll down all the way you'll see like me doing some juggling stuff and i was just sort of like emulating you know the guys that inspired yeah. me um, and then initially, like, and then it sort of warped into like this hobby, right? It was like mm -hmm. this creative outlet that I had because my full-time job is in the consulting industry. I, I do okay. commercial real estate, like appraisal work and financial analysis, working with clients all the time. And it's like very rote and analytical, right. um, but I, I would describe myself as like more of an artistic creative guy. And I'm just like, I didn't find myself in that career path mm. and this was a hobby outside of that and it was just like an outlet that i had um yeah because the the actual videography of it is really cool and it's like the I, I i just love the the actual aesthetic of the videos and stuff because that's like when you're trying to show people cool kettlebell workouts it helps to get their attention if a co the video looks cool <laughs> you yeah. know what i mean yeah yeah that was that was something that you know i found over time as I iterated and, yeah. uh, part of, part of the experience of, I guess it being a hobby, I was like, Oh, let's see like how I can improve upon this. Um, but yeah, no, I appreciate that. I actually, I do spend a lot of time on the videos, so I'm, mm -hmm. I'm glad that it, you know, it's it, paying off. that it's appreciated <laughs> that like, yeah. yeah. Cause you know, people always, that's like one of the questions I get all the time. It's like, Oh, how do you edit your videos? And it's like, Oh, what camera do you use? Like really <laughs> I use my cell phone. I put it up on a tripod mm -hmm. and then I edit in Adobe products. Right. There um, you go. And like, I, I remember when I first started doing that, I was like, I was like, this is kind of weird that I'm like committing 
so much energy towards editing like a an Instagram video. Um, <laughs> yeah. And like, because I would transfer from my phone to my computer and I would do like color, like manual, like color correcting. And like, I was yep. like, this is like a whole production. Like I'm not even getting, <laughs> I'm not even making money from this, you know, right. like this isn't YouTube where like I'm getting ad revenue. Like I'm yeah. literally just like posting this and I was like, but you know what? I'm having a good time. It's fun. So why not? You know? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it resonates. So I'm, I'm glad. And then the apparel stuff probably came a little bit out of that too, right? Oh my God. That was like completely accidental. The apparel <laughs> stuff. Um, but it, that's also been fun because, yeah. um, I, yeah, I've, I found, you know, like I said, the videos were like a creative outlet, but then this whole like touch grass phrase sort of like caught on Mm -hmm. and just, just for your awareness, I just like appropriated that from internet culture. Do you know where that phrase touch grass comes from? Uh -uh. Touch grass, I think was initially from the gaming community. Oh, really? The, yeah. Cause like, you know, you'd get these like these gamers that would spend like five, six hours just like playing video games straight and like they would be losing constantly and they'd just be getting pissed, like yelling slurs online. And then people would just be like, all right, go touch grass. Like get, like this isn't real life. Get outside. This like, go be a real person. Yeah. Get connected to nature. So it would be an insult. Like it was this internet insult <laughs> for people who were gaming constantly and not, I think, just for, for listeners, yeah. like look yeah. it up, Google it, go to like knowyourmeme.com or whatever. But uh, then I was like, this could act, this could be like a positive sort of like, you know, saying like go outside and touch some grass, like be part of nature. Mm. At the time, like we were all stuck indoors during the pandemic. And, uh, you know, a hobby of a lot of people was like they just took up walking. Like they just started walking. Do you remember this time? I don't know. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. It's like all the healthy things they just started doing naturally right. when they didn't have the option to not do them anymore. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. Aside from like going into Target um, as like a fun uh, right. fun night out, you know, I would like you know go outside in nature and it's, I mean, of course, I would be like working out with my kettlebells outside. But, uh, so that's where like touch grass came from. And then I realized that like a lot of people also felt compelled to like be connected with nature as, as they get older. Um, and especially people in a similar position to me where they have, uh, you know, like day jobs mm. that require them to just be indoors so much. Um, sure. and, uh, yeah, the touch grass co experiment sort of started and I, you, you know, use that as another outlet for design. Yeah. Um, I used to sell wall art on Etsy. And oh, so nice. I would, yeah. So I would design, um, artwork on my computer and then sell initially it was like digital artwork. And then I went to the physical products. Okay. And so I have this experience of like graphic design, Sure, but I wanted to see, you know, how, how, how much further I could push myself. And so I design all of the touch grass co shirts. Um, I'm getting into shorts soon. Don't tell no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, medium yeah. to tell a secret. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I, I actually, I've learned a lot in the apparel world. There has been, I've, you know, I'm really curious about that because I, I mean, I just kind of have a handful that 
I sell just because people ask me for shirts. Oh, nice. Like, I, it's not something I'm getting into the apparel business for. You know what I mean? Like, I've, I do just the simple, like, drop ship thing because it's easy and I don't have to carry the inventory myself. Yeah. And, uh, like, I mean, the quality's good. Like, I make sure I pick the right base materials and stuff that they do stuff with. Um, you know, but I know I could be doing it better, but it's like, I don't really want to be an apparel company, but I am curious yeah. because that seems like an industry that there's, I mean, there's t-shirt companies all over the place. So like, I know, the market's flooded, right? It's kind of crazy. So I'm like, what, what's been your experience with actually getting something going in that space? So yeah, the print on demand is, it's like easy for most people because they don't have to worry about inventory. Exactly. And That's right where I am. Um, that's how I started out too. And I, I just, mm-hmm. you know, you said you picked out good high quality stuff, which, you know, I, I thought I did too initially when I started, but <laughs> I was, I was out, just going to say, at least I think I am. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, then I saw that, you know, this factory was like producing, you know, the shirts were high quality, but sure. the ink was coming off and I was like, oh, yeah. I'm not about to sell people like sub standard stuff. And sure. uh, so I've transitioned now going to be working with a local uh factory here just to mm-hmm. ensure that i get higher quality stuff but um yeah i don't i i like to i just don't want people paying money for stuff that's gonna that they're not gonna wear you wear know out quickly yeah and i also don't like the like mass like you said there's like so many t-shirt apparel companies out there and it is kind of sad because a lot of these places use factories in china and to produce way too many shirts that ultimately just end up in a, um, like a landmine. And so yeah. not a landmine, <laughs> landfill, landfill, sorry. I knew it. I knew no, what you meant right that. away to it. I didn't um, that you said it. Or a fitness talk, right? Landmines. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> ends up in a landfill and I just wanted to avoid that too. So I'm trying to like get more localized in terms of sure. where everything is produced. So, um, so I mean like yeah. the actual, the actual steps of getting that going, I mean, you, you have the design that you do and stuff and then finding somebody local, it, I mean, the apparel thing is just fascinating to me because of the amount of steps that are involved, like yeah. from, from materials and actual designs and then actual like cuts and fits of the products and stuff. It just seems very obviously time consuming if you're actually making it a, a business venture out of it. Is that like kind of what you're noticing too? Yeah. So I don't want it to be like my main yeah. thing. So I am very cognizant of like the amount of time that I put into it, but you're right in terms of the amount of steps that it takes. Mm-hmm. Um, luckily I can rely on myself for like the design aspect of it. So I don't have to worry about that. Um, cause working with third parties is the thing that takes a lot of time and headache because you, right. You know, if you want something done right, do it yourself, you know, but like there are people who do specialize in this sort of stuff. And so you want to get help of like, you know, their expertise. Um, and so I knew a guy, I, I have a friend out here who knows a lot of people. Um, he's just like one of those guys who's like in, in the community, he's like a man about town, mm-hmm. you know? And so he connected me recently with someone who, um, is involved with like merchandise and so she, I'm working with her now, um, to get like the, the finished product out, but I, I'm still quality testing, so we'll see yeah. where it goes. But yeah, I mean, I think every like major city has print shops, at least, even if they yeah. don't have like everything from scratch, 
there, this community has been crazy too, because I, once I like announced like, Hey, I'm going to start this apparel brand. Some guy reached out and he's like, Hey, my wife, um, what's it called? She like builds like the cutouts of the, the, the design, I guess, uh, like the shapes and stuff for like factories to use in order to create the shirts. Oh, like, okay. like she does like 2d mock-ups okay which yeah. can then be followed by factories to actually and like just like someone reaching out randomly about that is like just amazing that there's That's like pretty cool this community of people who are like out there they understand what i'm doing like willing to help mm-hmm. so i spoke to her for a bit i think that would be like further down the line if i actually do go further than just like t-shirts and shorts so right but uh, um, it's funny because i have a couple of friends who have done it and done it really well yeah and uh you know, they, they don't say don't do it because <laughs> like it, because it, it, it's like the only analogy I can, I can make is because my dad has a, a big fishing boat. Right. And so that's like a, a common boat thing is like people that have boats tell you don't get a boat. Oh, right. Or it's like the best, yeah. the best day of your life is the day you buy a boat <laughs> and the day you sell your boat. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and, then, and so the, like, I've had a couple of friends that are doing the apparel thing and they say the same thing about like getting into the apparel business. They're like, it's awesome, but don't do it because it's super like it, from the sense of it just is so hard to break into to make it like your main thing and be successful. Because like you said, it's oh. so flooded and there's so many different apparel companies like to really be different takes all your time to like if you're going to really make it like yeah. a huge company, and, make a big yeah. thing out of it. You know, doing it as a, a side gig or a hobby thing like that's great. You can do that all you want. But like if you're trying to make this your main thing and grow this to a huge company. Like it is a pain in the butt. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. And I, I think what sets me apart is that like, I'm really, I'm not selling to like the general public. Like these are people yeah. who have been with me for like, you know, a long time. They're just like, mm-hmm. and they're, they themselves like have a similar philosophy to me as like going outside, working out, like being healthy and like, in, you know, in this holistic way. Um, and, but I, Oh my God. I can't imagine if I tried to make touch grass co my like main, uh, you know, like source of income. That would be, that would be difficult. Warehouses full of materials and go through. Yeah. I mean, it's just it, not that, you know, and people do it and do it well and that's what their jam is and that's great. But it's like, I'm, I'm thinking of it just in how stressed I get having to put a handful of things together that I don't even actually touch the products until they're like delivered, you know? And I'm just like, man, that takes a special kind of person to, to pull yeah. something off like that. But that's, that's yeah. most industry, you know? Yeah. It's super risky. You have to hold like all the physical products and, and that means you have to purchase them all initially before you get a sale. So there's a huge risk. Like who knows if people will catch on to it. So, right. um, yeah, it's definitely like if you, don't enjoy it or the idea of doing it and just like, don't do it because <laughs> it, it is such a uh, competitive field. So, but that's why it's just a hobby of mine. So exactly. And I, the, I mean, the phrase you, you mentioned the, I'm going to look up, I want to look up the gaming reference to it because that's awesome. And, uh, but the, the touch grass thing as it even relates to that story, like telling them go outside and touch grass. Yeah. Because I have a, you know, a, a buddy of mine who, he's like a, he's a research researcher, but he does a ton of stuff with grounding and earthing. He oh, okay. It, and he does, and he calls it specifically grounding. He doesn't yeah. like calling it earthing because the grounding is actually referring to the electrical currents. Okay. So it's like, you know, literal electricity. He's like, I'll, we'll call it grounding. And, uh, he has tons of amazing research around it. And then he actually makes 
grounding sandals. Uh, yeah, yeah, I've seen it with like the copper in them or something. Yeah, yeah, it's like a copper pin in the bottom that threads through, and then the actual straps are lined with silver thread. <laughs> yeah, so, a friend of mine has those. I don't yeah. know ones, but could yeah. be, could very well be. Um, but it's when I'm thinking about when you said that about the gamer guys. <laughs> They're going through a period of time where like they're ticked and nothing's working and you go out and touch grass and they're telling them like, go take a break, like go relax for her. But right. the actual act of going out and touching grass physiologically, yeah. like literally would recharge them and make them feel better. And yeah. like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then they come back and they're like, oh, I feel great. You're like, well, yeah, you actually went and recharged yourself literally. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know anything about the science behind it, about the electricity and whatnot, but it's I pretty wild know. when you start reading and learning about it, man. It's pretty cool. All right. Yeah. No, I'll, I'll, <laughs> no I, I've, I've heard about it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just know that our ancestors didn't, you know, live their lives inside four walls staring at a screen and exactly. so i don't think that you know we should be doing <laughs> i don't think that we should be living our lives that way either that's funny the uh one of the things he had he had posted oh man it's been it's been a little bit a little bit now um but even just the effects that it has on mitigating a lot of the like EMFs and, and Wi-Fi radiation and stuff mm -hmm. that we're constantly exposed to, yeah. uh, just getting outside and like being in contact with earth actually will like mitigate a lot of that while you're doing it. And, uh, it's pretty fast. He has a lot of really good, I'll send you his, uh, I'll send you his account. Cause he's got a really, a ton yeah, what's of his, uh, give the, a shout out right now. What's his name? Yeah. Grounded athlete is his account right. and Rob, Rob, he goes back, Rob, the grounded athlete, oh, okay. um, but uh, is his name. But he is actually, and he's also comes from a lot of historical background with it because he's uh, Native American ancestry. And oh, so okay. like, he ties in a lot of what he used to know growing up and uh, like what his family has talked about being connected to the earth all the time. It's like actually really cool. But that was the, it's in every time I've seen it since I've seen your touch grass thing. That's like instantly what him? I think of. I'm like, that's really cool. He's like onto something here. That, that's awesome. Um, <laughs> you know, it's funny because like a lot of people give me grief because I'm not actually touching grass with my feet. <laughs> and it's like, all right, it's more about like a concept of being outside. <laughs> right. But um, I get what you're saying. And they're like, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, what about your foot health? You know? And mm -hmm. I was, you know, that's a fair point, you know, like mm -hmm. our, I brought up our ancestors earlier. Our ancestors didn't walk around in Belleville boots, you know, Yep. like me. And um, so I, yeah, when I was living in DC, I, I took my shoes off a couple times. I got bit so much by mosquitoes, right? <laughs> right. And uh, I was like, I'm not doing that again. So I just kept wearing my boots, came out here to the desert. Sure enough, there's like, you know, three patches of grass that I could actually touch. Yeah. And I don't, granted, I don't have to be on grass. Like, I can be on dirt. But I was like, you know, I want to keep working on grass. It's like a nice soft surface. Well, and down there, you literally can't be barefoot, like, most of the year because you're, like, on the surface of the sun almost. So, like, right. your, your yeah. feet will melt. The grass is cool enough. But then, <laughs> then I, so I went barefoot once. Turns out everyone brings their dogs to these few patches of grass near me. And they, they all, you know, poop. And I, you know, I'm like, well, what's the, I'm not, the whole time I'm going to be focusing about this dog poop on my, this turd on the bottom of my feet. So, um, to me, it's mostly about being outside, connect, yeah. like breathing fresh air, yep. seeing the sun, um, connecting with people too. That's mm. not like, I get people coming up to me all the time, which is great. Um, yeah. I was gonna say, that's gotta be pretty cool. Yeah. But I, I will say I do need to prioritize my foot health more. Um, that is like a blind spot that I've had 
you know, I was talking about earlier how, you know, the kettlebell forces you to use various muscles at once. Part of that is spreading your toes and getting that yeah. those flat feet to stabilize yourself. And I've been relying too much on, on the shape of my boots and the, the sturdiness of them. So mm-hmm. that's next. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start, you know, incorporating barefoot exercises, but I think I'll be doing that in the gym. I'm not going to yeah. be doing that outside. So, yeah. The uh, the boots that you wear are those they they kind of have the what kind are they because they kind of look like military style. Yeah. So I I was in the Marines and yeah. I only wore Belleville boots when I was in, and then yep. so I I bought a note. They're not from when I was in. They're um, they're actually minimalist boots from Belleville. Oh, right on. Yeah. So the I think it's like a two millimeter. I don't know the exact size, but there's mm-hmm. like a very thin sole. Yeah. Um, and the raise is very. Because like when shoes, there's like a slight angled upward, and the, the, that angle is really small too. Mm-hmm. Um, Belleville Mini Mill boots for anyone who wants to look them up. Um, I'm making a note right they're, now. Yeah, they're, they're really good. I like I like working on them. I, I probably look super weird to to call them civilians. To so just like people, <laughs> to like I walk. I literally like walk on like five inch short shorts and, <laughs> and, and your boots and these boots, and it looks stupid. But I'm so used. To, to the way it looks right because in the marines you know you got these guys with silkies on that are like three to four inches and right. then their military boots and looks so dumb <laughs> but once you start it like you you get used to it it doesn't look dumb anymore and so right. that's what i do i'm like whatever <laughs> so what was your how long were you in the marines uh, i was in for five years i was an arabic linguist and uh i don't you know i'm not arab even though i may look it i'm I'm a white Jew from Southern California, but I <laughs> uh, I went to a linguist school at the Defense Language Institute in Monterey, California. It's like some of the best two years of my life over there. Yeah, yeah they taught me Arabic, and it was a great time. Um, not as fluent anymore, but yeah. Um, but yeah, I'll always look back at that time with like really fond memories. That's pretty cool. I did. I mean, is that something you? How do you decide you wanted to do that? I mean, because that's not what I. When I think of guys that join the service or join the Marines, I don't imagine that being at the top of the list of many of them as far as occupation goes. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, I mean, that's a whole other story. We could totally talk about. It. I'm totally fine with it. Um, <laughs> I joined in 2010, just when I graduated high school. I'm 30, and I get that question Same. so much. Yeah. You're 32. 30 yeah. as well. Yeah. Cool. Um, and around that time, um, my family was like experiencing a lot of financial hardship because of the 2008 financial crisis. And I was like really scared of debt as like a vehicle towards anything. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I didn't want to go into college debt. And so I joined the military primarily for the financial benefits. Um, like the, you know, the schooling college benefits. And so um, I took what's, I was initially just going to be like general intelligence, but then I took a okay. test because they had a spot open for linguists. It was called the defense language aptitude battery D lab for short. And it tests your language learning skills. So what the DOD did is they or still does, I guess they created this fake language that's literally meant for this one test. And it's an and it's they, they do it because like you know if you happen to know Tagalog or whatever language you can't just like pass the test with flying colors you know so they made up this fake language that no one knows in order to test your ability at um, 
like pattern recognition, vocabulary retention, Crazy. stuff like that. And then so based off of your score that you get on that test, then you are able to um, learn certain languages, you know, up to a threshold, right? Wow. And so I took that test and uh, I didn't actually know what language I was going to be assigned because you don't really get to pick oh, okay. your language. Yeah. Um, so it's more how you school. do on that. It's more how you do on that test than that leans you towards one of them. Yeah, it's like how you do on the test, and then plus like what the demand is of the military, sure. obviously, and like the Marines is the smallest branch, so like whatever linguists they actually have, like they have to it has to be like mission first, you know. Sure. Um, and so yeah, I was just sort of you get you do get like a top three pick when you go when you like get to the school, like when you get to, you don't even know you're gonna learn when you get there. Oh, they wow. assign it to you like a couple weeks later, but uh, or at least that's how it worked when I was there. Mm-hmm. But um, you, yeah, they assigned me Arabic, but they 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 give me they give me like a top three list, and so I chose Russian first because I thought Russian was like amazing. Mm-hmm. It's the the sound of it, right? Yeah, Russian, Chinese, because I wanted to be able to speak to like you know so many people in the world. And then I think I did choose Arabic as my third. Okay. Um, but you know, most people they don't get what's in their top three. So gotcha. Yeah, that's how that's how that's how that worked with me in Arabic, and then I was yeah. didn't get to use it too much when I was in. Um, mm-hmm. Aside from the last year I was in, I was deployed to Afghanistan where they don't speak any Arabic at all. <laughs> um, so I didn't really like operationally <laughs> use it, you know. Right. That but just that's military. I was just going to say that just seems about right on par as a training something and then send you somewhere where you can't use it. (laughs) (laughs) Like I I did use it, you know, not in country, but um, sure. Yeah. That's how it goes. That's cool, man. The, and I'm the military aspect of things is always cool because I see a lot of guys that come out of it from a training perspective specifically, right? Because there's very specific like physical demands when you go in and uh, I imagine coming out of that training kind of just is something that you just do because it kind of is like ingrained in you. Is that kind of how it was for you? Because that's, I know a lot of guys are like, I just have to do this because this is what I had to do for so long. Like I can't really not do it anymore. Mm. Yeah, there is a habit that forms when you're in. But on top of that, there are a lot of like fat veterans. That's true. And I say yeah. that in like a loving way. Like there are just, yeah. they just get out and they gain weight and want to work out yeah. anymore because they, and they do that because guess what? No one's telling them that they have to do yeah. that because now they have like this exactly. ultimate freedom. And so, you know, it's not like a natural inclination. Maybe they didn't come from a family, right? Cause it's like, you had a life before the military. And so like, there are certain things that are ingrained in your brain, you know, during childhood that the military can't break you down wholly and build you up wholly. Like there, mm-hmm. there's still some stuff there that like some previous traumas or experiences that are going to stick with you unless you actively change them. Um, and so I, I will say, I mean, I, I, I think my training background was partially influenced by the military, but I think, mm-hmm. You know, I was in a, my parents encouraged physical fitness and well-being. Ironically, my parents were vegan and uh, I am like kind of on the opposite spectrum of that. (laughs) Most of my diet is meat-based. Yeah. um, But it's not like a rift or anything that we have. (laughs) (laughs) Not rebelling against the the veganism. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, there are, there is a huge amount of like former military guys who are in the yeah. fitness space and which makes sense. It seems well, it like the pipeline, right? Yeah. Well, and I was going to say to your point that you were making, it seems like it, you're either internally motivated naturally, like not, maybe not naturally, but you're taught to be internally motivated early on or you're not. And so like the ones that go through and then come out and they're still wanting to train, like those guys are probably going to do that anyways. You know what I mean? Because they can yeah. do find that that internal motivation and discipline to do it rather than like I, I'm doing this because I'm told to do it kind of a thing, yeah. you know? Which yeah, they just like enjoy it too. Like at a certain yeah. point, it becomes less about motivation and inspiration. If you just like keep doing something over and over, you're going to get good at it. I brought this up earlier. This is like a philosophy that I've that I've focused on a lot more in the past couple mm-hmm. of years. If you're good at something, you're going to enjoy it more. And if you enjoy it more, you're going to do it more. And uh, I think that's sort of what those guys, that's like the track that they're on, you know? Sure. Like, but, but then again, you see people like Jocko Willink and stuff. He's like, oh, like, I don't want to quote him. I don't know. I don't follow him or anything, but I know that, and like him and like, like David Goggins, for instance, like they're all about like pushing themselves harder, which I think is, I think is great. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, there, I have a sneaking inclination that they also enjoy doing that stuff. Totally. They're not constantly pushing themselves uphill. I do think they actually like enjoy that process too. And yeah. so because they enjoy it, it doesn't actually make it as hard um, for them to, to do it, you know, cause you can't, you can't constantly be pursuing something that feels like an uphill battle, you know? Mm-hmm. And then be like a pleasant person to be around any other time of the day. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I I, I really like, again, I don't, I don't want to make like too, um, (laughs) too large of sweeping assumptions, but I, I assume that they do enjoy that lifestyle. If you're miserable Um, all day long, that's, yeah, you probably aren't going to be that successful at it. Yeah. But but misery though is good though. I I think you have to embrace the Mm -hmm. suck to an extent. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I, I just don't, I don't even like the term hustle culture, but I know it's been thrown around a lot. Um, and I, I think that's, you know, adjacent to this conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, but you do have to put in the work and you have to do stuff that sucks, but you can't constantly think it sucks because right. eventually you're just going <laughs> to get up and quit. So you have to just like develop habits and systems mm-hmm. to make it, make this stuff easier for you so that you'll be better at it. So then you enjoy it. Mm-hmm. That's it. Now that's, I don't want to repeat myself too much, but that's sort of my philosophy on well, that. Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, I was going to say that's how you really, like you were saying, you got into enjoying kettlebells, like to bring it back to full circle. It's like, there's this yeah. new thing and it's hard, but I want to get good at it. And Hey, it's actually fun. So I want to continue to do it because I enjoy it and right. I'm getting better at it because I'm doing it more. You know, right. it's just like this big circle of, yeah. of mastery and enjoying the, the, the daily aspects of it rather than like I'm trying to do this one thing in a goal years off in advance like I just enjoy doing this every day and I'm getting better at it in the meantime yeah and I'm sure like you've seen in your own life like for instance like you podcasting right like I'm sure when you first start out you're like oh how do I like oh dude the first like 15 shows are hot garbage even though like I had you know I had great guests but I like I don't even listen to my own podcasts ever anyways but 
couple weeks ago, I went and listened to just chunks of the first few. I'm like, oh, I, this is unlistenable for me at this point. Oh my God. I have to pull up this quote. I think it's, I, I, yeah, I posted it yesterday. Tom Platt, where he's like, we've reached failure. Thank God. You know, and like you have to reach that failure in yeah. order to get success. And you can only, you have to fail so many times at the beginning, right? Yep. And then you'll get good at it because you'll mm-hmm. like chip away at the bad stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's how I get better at things. It's like chip, like I see form that's like, oh, maybe I should just chip away at that. I don't, it's weird though, because I also do want to go towards what's good. But like right. the way to do that is by chipping away what's bad. Yes. Um, it's like sculpting. So you, like yeah. you think, yeah. think about like literally dudes right. that carve a big old sculpture. I think it was, there's the, I think it was Michelangelo talking about, David, like the, the, the statue David. And they, and they asked him like, how, how did you do this? Or like, how did you see this thing happening? And like he said, uh, he's like, I just chipped away all the things that weren't David. And that like, weren't necessary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's great. No, I love that. Yeah. I think that's like so true in terms of kettlebell training and other aspects, like other skills. I think it's so important for people to find hobbies too, to just get yeah. good at, you know, like how many people are just so, when you're so obsessed, politics is a big one. Like in in this day and age, like if you're so obsessed with politics, I think it's good to care about the direction that the country is going and like to have your philosophy on things. And people are probably going to yell at me like, "Oh, you're just like privileged because you don't have to think about politics all the time." Like, "Oh, whatever." But really, like. <laughs> You brought up Michelangelo. I'm going to bring up Michael Jackson, right? There we go. <laughs> his, song, his, song, his song, Man in the Mirror, right? Yes. Uh, it's like like the, the way to make the world a better place is to look at the person in the mirror, right? Yeah. And in order to improve yourself, I really think that everyone should just have like a tangible skill that they're good at mm. that they can improve upon. And you're not going to get there in the first couple weeks to so the next yeah. few months, but you're just going to like keep chipping away and you're going to take away all the things that aren't David and you're going to be like really good. Right. Mm. So it's going to be, and I think every skill eventually turns out to just be an artisanal experience, you know, mm-hmm. podcasting, like you're talking, right. But there is like an artistry to it, to like having a conversation. There's like a, right. there's, I assume you've seen like waves that happen. Like, you know, it's like an octopus. Yeah. You got the head of the conversation, you just like split up and like different and like getting it back to the head and then you go off. Mm-hmm. And I like just systems like that. Same with the kettlebell. Like there's a, if you develop a clean, a clean, a nice swing at first, and then you yeah. figure out how to, ro- how it rotates around your wrist. And then you use another kettlebell that shapes slightly differently. And then you have to figure out. So like all the, I don't know, all these inputs and you figure it out. It's like a video game. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah. How did we that get might, there? It might be <laughs> one of the best. It, well, I'll tell you how we got there. From one of the best segues that's maybe ever happened on this show. From, you brought Michael Michael Angelo, Angelo, bring up Michael Jackson. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, too funny, man. Well, hey, we're we're right up on an hour now. So uh, I do, before we let you out, want to give you the chance to, first of all, I want to say thanks for making time. I had a Thank blast talking me. to you today, man. Um, why don't you pump out? links and stuff for the apparel for the Instagram so people can if they're not following you can follow you and interact and say what's up and okay yeah yeah Instagram handle is Eric does kettlebell uh my apparel brand is on tgco.co touchgrassco.co or tgco.co touchgrassco is a company but I am all like sold out right now 
I don't know when this is, will be released, but I'm going to be restocking. Uh, a couple early. days. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'll be restocking early 2023. I don't know exactly know when. Um, and then on my, I guess you can also go to my Gumroad account, which is tagged in my Instagram. Um, I recently, a few weeks ago, put out weekly kettlebell workouts. So oh, if nice. anyone is looking for simple, anyone from like big, beginner to advanced can just follow along in these workouts. Say you 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 know have some experience with kettlebells, but you don't really know how to incorporate them into workouts. That's sort of what this. It's fifteen dollars a month. You get f- uh, three to four workouts a week, and um, awesome. I'm trying to make it. You know, kettlebell like you said, it's all about freedom. I want to make this like as basic, simple to follow as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, because I don't want people having to pay like 200, 300 bucks a month necessarily for a trainer to begin with. Like this is like one way to start. And so if you want to follow those weekly workouts, feel free to do that. Um, I think that's it. Awesome. Well, thanks again, man. I really appreciate your time, Eric. All right. Thanks, Ross. (laughs) 